What's going on? It's your boy Mixmaster B here live from the MMB Radio Studios for the MMB Radio Podcast where no topic is too big or too small. And on today's episode of the MMB Radio Podcast, I have a woman who has been rising up and down the charts as far as the wrestling world goes. You've seen her on AEW. You've seen her on Impact. She's just taken the wrestling world by storm. She's done modeling work. I mean, there's really not a lot that this woman has not done. Oh, and did I mention she is a cancer survivor? So that there alone makes her kick ass. I want to welcome yeah. her in right now, Tiffany Nuevez. <laughs> Tiffany, what's going on? Welcome. Wow, what an intro to follow. Thank you so freaking much. I try, much. I, you know, I try to do the best I can with that, you know? <laughs> you did good. I can tell you, you know, you did your research about me, and I appreciate that. Well, so. I reached out to you because I was really interested in having you on the podcast because, you know, we've had other wrestlers on the podcast, and I like to get into the psyche of the wrestler, of the mm. talent, when they're first starting out. Because, mm. yeah, you can talk to the veterans of the business and you can get all the juicy stories of the, you know, travels up and down the roads. But I like to get them when they're fresh. I want to get <laughs> into their head and find out what makes them want to get into this crazy, carny world of oh, pro man. wrestling. Let me freaking tell you. You know, I do appreciate doing interviews like this because it is a milestone when I go back and listen to myself. And um, this is the only, you know, this is an opportunity for me to keep tabs on my growth when I do a podcast. So um, what got me into wrestling is really simple. is the desire to entertain, the passion and need to want to entertain on a level that I've never seen before. And that's what wrestling is. Um, growing up, I have overall three sisters, two brothers. And um, growing up in New York, the Bronx, we weren't allowed to play outside much. So my outlet was the couch and the living room floor. And we hosted our own WrestleMania almost every Monday night. <laughs> and, um, so it kind of just started from a childhood aspect. And, you know, as you grow up, things change. Um, my parents were not together. And um, I ended up just living with my father alone. And he was very strict. So the wrestling ended immediately, especially during the Attitude Era. You have, you know, Trish Stratus, you know, coming out. And I love her. But, you know, the position that women had at the Attitude Era wasn't age appropriate for me to watch to my dad's standards, you know. So um, I kind of like about seven years, I'd say wrestling wasn't in my life. And um I kind of got into theater with school, but, you know, after I beat cancer, I made a list of things that I needed to do. And one one of them was try wrestling. And it, it, it was like probably the craziest thing on my list. So I said, I'm going to do it first. Um, and I, I remember I was in South Florida and I looked up wrestling schools near me. I had just relocated from Orlando and um I, I saw this school in South Florida, and, and what interests me was beyond their marketing, they said, come try a day for free. And I love free. So I said, I'm there. <laughs> and, um, and it's a funny story I usually share is on, on the phone. I've never felt like the gentleman on the phone was calling me more of a coward in the most challenging way because I was very intimidated. So I had filled out the survey of explaining why I would like to wrestle. And I didn't expect them to call me the same day. And they indeed called me about 20 minutes later. And, you know, I pick up the phone because I am um, a licensed massage therapist. So it's very often I have my clients contact me via phone. So I picked up assuming maybe it's a new client and it happened to be the school. And the school says, hello, you know, we are, you know, yada, yada, yada. We, we received your form. 
we're super interested um, in, in having you check out our school. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, I can't believe this is happening. So as we're talking, I'm telling him some of my goals, my plans. And um, I didn't even know who I was at that time. So whatever answer I gave him to why I want to be a wrestler was definitely the people pleaser in me trying to give the best answer, to be honest. Like the answer <laughs> I gave him on the phone. I feel like that's how we do any job interview, right? Yeah. I felt like I was getting interviewed and I, yeah. you know, and I was just like, what is the, what would a wrestler say? Well, that was the day I became a worker because I worked it on the phone, but he worked me right back. And um, <laughs> I said, you know, I have a challenge for the new year. I want to get in the best shape ever. I want to work on stunts. I want to, because even I felt a little, you know, it was out of the realm to tell wrestling school, Hey, I want to be a wrestler. I hadn't got used to that. So I had to justify it by saying, Oh, I want to learn stunts. Um, I, I'm a, I'm an actress and I want to go there to learn stunts when reality is no, I want to make it all the way to WWE. Can you get me there? I need to know. Um, so he said on the phone, well, if you're really serious about this challenge of getting in shape, you'd show up today. And I said, well, you know, what do I need before I show up? Don't I need a credit know? card and a checkbook? Exactly. <laughs> he said, I'm thinking I need a certain, you know, I need hello. I, I need elbow pads. I need knee pads. I need the right equipment. I need the right sneakers. You know, I need a notebook. I need a pen. You know, this guy tells me, just bring yourself. And I was just like, if I'll see you here, if you're serious. And that was the biggest car sale he ever closed on, because I've never heard someone say you are a P-U-S-S-Y the way I heard it over the phone. So I said, oh, challenge accepted. Mm. And um, I, I went to a coastal championship wrestling that day in South Florida and I never stopped going. Um, and now I'm here and it's been a lot to get here. Um, I started with that school and I got more of my ring announcing. And when I decided that um, I needed more to become a TV star, I decided to go to Orlando. And that's where I really got my wrestling training. All my wrestling training comes from Flatbacks, which is located in Orlando, where I got trained by uh, Sean Spears and Tyler Breeze. Now, sure. be before we get too far ahead of ourselves, because mm -hmm. I want to go back, because there was a mm -hmm. lot going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, I mean, I know you're from Florida, but that was definitely like a hurricane of information there that came there flying <laughs> out. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, growing up, watching wrestling with your brothers and sisters. And were you the youngest child, the oldest middle child? Middle. So I'm the middle child. Okay. So but how I, did... I swore I was the oldest. Though. <laughs> I was going to say, so how did that start about you? So father was not not feeling the wrestling thing. So who was sneaking on the TV wrestling for you to get the bug about? Oh, it? me all the time. I was the okay. trouble kid all the time. I was the rebellion. From a young age, my mom would say I was defiant. But um, I just could never fathom the fact that, like, you know, I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't a violent kid. But if I felt my creativity was limited, I became angry. I became violent. You know, it's just what, don't put me in a box. So um, I never could understand the, the concept of having to ask permission for your happiness. It just didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. If wrestling made me happy, why do I have to understand why you're telling me I can't? I just never got that. And so since a young age, it's just like, and I do it now, no one can tell me no. I don't believe in no. Like, it's impossible. Even when the doctors told me I was sick, I just was like, okay, anyways, I, I live the life I want, so I'll be perfectly fine. Let's move it on. So I would always test it, you know. If I would, you know, it got to the point where parents couldn't always be home. They're working, so I would sneak it on. But I had my two other sisters who were very 
terrified of my father, so they would crack all the time and rat me out. <laughs> yeah, and then so the bigger they shows, like, you. <laughs> yeah, and the bigger shows were the pay per views, and my mom would buy them, and my dad didn't. So it was just like tortures watching the show the best I can. And back then, me growing up, we didn't have YouTube, we didn't have playbacks over the internet, we didn't have that. Yeah. So if you didn't catch it live on TV. Um, or get cut off with the pay-per-view, you were just behind. And, like, week after week, I was getting behind and behind to the point where I just, I couldn't win. <laughs> you know, growing up with my dad, he didn't let, allow us to, you know, paint our nails, wear makeup, even listen to any music that had swear words in it. <laughs> so, so, so it seemed like mom was more, like, uh, accepting of the fact that you know you were interested in wrestling she bought the pay-per-views oh absolutely but mom mom was a single mom so my parents split uh at a young age so mom you know mom did anything possible to try to have us you know because i think my mom held a lot of guilt for the fact that you know we were living in the bronx so we couldn't go outside so if she could make inside as fun as possible she did so she brought us you know the gamecube she brought us every version of um a wrestlemania every you know she was totally about it because actually indeed my mom grew up watching wrestling too um but i will say if we can fast forward my dad is totally on board totally supports me and actually flew out all the way from connecticut to see my first debut match that's very awesome. So it's so full circle, you know. That yeah, of course. It wasn't yeah. cool then, but it's just like obviously saw the passion you that you stop. had for it. When it's meant for you, you can't stop it even if they try. You know, it's just, it just it gets added to your story. That's it, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Now, you mentioned you did theater in school, so you kind of had yeah. some of the aspect that goes into being a pro wrestler. But were you an athletic student? Were you involved in sports? So it's very important, like, you know, I, I can come in here and I could, you know, put myself over as this awesome superstar. But the reality is um, I want to be able to inspire at least one person, connect with one person. And this is why I have to tell you, you know, growing up, I went to a school where safety was a priority more than extra uh, curricular activities. And if we participated in extracurricular activities, we had to pay out of pocket because the school didn't have enough for their budget. And my mom could never do that. So when I finally moved in with my dad, I was years behind on athleticism, even in my reading um, and just anything. You know, I had no developed skill like a lot of these kids. You know, they get put in sports at three, four years old. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't. I knew a lot about being street smart, but knew nothing about really being a kid. So I, I remember moving to Connecticut seventh grade with my dad and I tried out for soccer because it was free. They had, you know, in Connecticut, the schools were different. The schools, I've never seen a school that had lockers in it. I never had seen a school that didn't have traps. They had a backyard. They were safe. It was just insane. I'm like, wait, you can try out for sports and you don't have to pay or I'm going to try out for every single thing. So I got, um, I got rejected from the cheerleading squad. I got rejected. I didn't make the soccer team i didn't make the basketball team um everything i tried out for i just didn't make and it was track you know they had no choice but to take me because they don't have trials for track so um i remember that was a situation where i was told no and it really upset me because i was just like you know everyone else like i know I have the heart why i'm so young why am i getting you know rejected from something i'm young this is when i should you know, try my best to find who I am. And I feel like already the system or whatever, the school system tell me I'm not good enough, which I think is so wrong. They shouldn't do that to any kid. You know, I feel like everyone should make the team and how you use them is different. But, you know, so um, 
the following year, I tried out again, eighth grade. I didn't make any of the teams again. Um, and I remember practicing with my dad that summer basketball and doing my best. Fast forward, um, when it came time to high school as a freshman, I was done with anyone telling me no. And I tried out for the volleyball team and I tried out for the basketball team and I made both of them. And I made, um, I actually was offered the opportunity to be captain for volleyball on my freshman year and then was immediately put into varsity. And with basketball, I made the JV team, which is if you're up to date with sports, if you can't make the middle school team, you're definitely not making the high school team. If you're making the high school team, you're not going to varsity or JV, but I did. So that was the first time in my life I get emotional because um, growing up from New York, like I don't think anyone would understand how hard it was. So when I made the team in high school, Maybe everyone else would see it as, um, oh, I made the team. I felt it was equivalent to getting a college degree to me when mm-hmm. I made the team because um, I never, never once, um, you know, I remember working and trying to make money so that I could pay for myself to put myself through programs so I can kind of get better. So anytime I got money for my birthday or any chores or anything, my dad will tell you, I would pay, I would spend 400 bucks on a camp for like three weeks. And my dad thought it was ridiculous, but you know. I did it, you know, and, and it's the same thing. It goes with my wrestling career. I can't tell you the amount of, um, you know, financial stability I have sacrificed so that I can be put into learning this craft. So it's like I almost feel like if I didn't go through that as a young age, it might have been tougher for me to get into wrestling. So to answer your question, yes, did I play sports? Absolutely. Um, I was very well invested with, you know, basketball and volleyball, but it definitely didn't come to me naturally at first. Um, I had to work really hard for it. Yeah, and when you have a dream and you have a passion for something, it's amazing what it'll drive you to do. Mm-hmm, and being mm-hmm. that you didn't have the resources, you didn't have the availability to do different things, it kind of had that little bit of I feel like you had a chip on your shoulder. That you know, mm-hmm. that you're just like, hey, you know what? Screw you. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep doing it because there is no other out. There is no mm-hmm. other way to get to where you want to go in life if, you know, you decide you're not going to do this. Yeah. Um, so when you go into pro wrestling, I mean, that's a different animal. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, choreographed. It is physicality. It is, you know, not, you know, track. It's not basketball, although there is athleticism in it. So take us through the emotional and physical <laughs> toll that goes with being a pro wrestler. Because yeah, like Mike so. Tyson says, everybody's got a plan and then you get smacked in the face, you know, yeah. punched in the face. So what was your, uh, your thought process going into this? Cause I mean, the guy's like, Hey, just show up, you show up, but right. it's you not know, just like, Hey, start tomorrow. You know, it's so insane because as you ask me these questions, I, it's forcing me to go, back in time and I get overjoyed like oh bear with me because I'm getting emotional now because um wrestling takes being able to connect with yourself and um fast forward a year ago if you asked me about wrestling probably wouldn't be breaking down the way I am now because I've worked so hard to connect to the inner child of me that I'm okay with expressing vulnerability I'm okay with um tapping into this you know and exposing this area of myself because um that helps me connect to the audience better but um Getting into wrestling, wow, it's been a freaking, I, where I am today right now, I could, I wouldn't believe it if you told me a year ago when I walked into the school. If you told me what I'd have to do, I wouldn't believe it. Um, within the first three 
months of wrestling, I broke my finger. And I broke my finger doing a leapfrog. It was a it was a high spot and someone completely landed on me, took me down like a football player. And um that was the moment where I had to decide. Um and I, I know it's a finger, but as I said earlier, I'm a massage therapist. So immediately in seconds my well being was taken from me. I couldn't massage anymore. And that's how I was able to afford anything, you know, I have bills to pay. So immediately I came overwhelmed with this fear of what am I going to do? Um, and thankfully, you know, I worked really hard. I had a savings, but that was the moment where I realized, all right, Tiff, are you going to go all the way with this? Because you just got a sample of what it's like, like what happens if you break your arm now? What happens if you break your leg? How are you going to make money? Um, because I only made it as far as, um, probably one semester of my associates in college because um, I got sick during it and I had to get out um, back out of college. So, and I never went back. I actually went to trade school. So, you know, as much as I have a great resume, it was like, for me, the best option right now is becoming the best massage therapist. So if I eliminate that, am I accepting the fact that like I have nothing else to fall on? Does that follow? So I had to um, make a decision and, the amount of people, even in the place I was training, that didn't believe in me um, was a huge reason why I believed in me. And I had to do it. I just had to prove everyone wrong. And you're right. Like, I do have this incredible chip on my shoulder. And I, I always say it's to prove everyone wrong. But I got to be honest. I'm obsessed with them because the truth is it's really to prove me wrong. It's not them. I say it's them. I want to prove them wrong, but I want to prove it to myself that I can do it. Mm-hmm. So anytime anyone doubts me, um, I'm like, you know what? Not that it gets in my head, but it makes me want to prove it to myself that I can do it. Yeah, I was just so, going to say that. That's, that's totally where I, when you were starting to explain, I was like, <laughs> it's not about proving people wrong. It's about proving to yourself that you can do it. Because yeah. if you can prove to yourself that you can do it, then it proves everybody else wrong. You and know, there's because some... it's that, that self, you know, gratification that you're able to do something. Boom, gratification. And I got to tell you, there's this balance when you're a cancer survivor, um, which, you know, thank the freaking Lord, is that I do feel this. I do feel in debt that every day while I'm still on this earth that I give it my 100% with everything, but also to be the kindest person I can be. So I am constantly, I mean, all day challenged with, um, situations that try challenge my character and maybe others would find it tiring but I find it charming and um so wrestling has challenged that aspect of me and in times where um it tried my character which was very often I had to think of creative ways to uh, use it to fuel me and that's just been my wrestling career to be honest um so yeah <laughs> And it's funny, as I'm listening to you explain this, I'm sitting here in the studio and I'm looking and I have all on my wall, I have all the John Cena to never give up towels. <laughs> and it's funny because as you're saying that, I'm looking at them and it's just like, it's like, that's the mentality of never giving up, of never, you know, giving mm. in. So kind of talk to us about when you were diagnosed with cancer. Okay. I mean, that's something that is... I can't even wrap my mind around it, like thinking about what would happen if you are told you have cancer. Right. So share that experience, if you will, with us of how, you know, you were told that you had this diagnosis and, you know, what was yeah. the emotional toll that it, it, someone goes through dealing with that? 
it's really neat that uh, you brought up John Cena because he actually plays a huge part of inspiring me. So <laughs> it's, it is that uh, no quit attitude, but I'll never forget. Um, there's a skill I have and I don't, I'm still figuring out if it's good or not because I have this skill when, um, when there's a roadblock in my way or no, or anything that stops me, um, I go into deep denial and this denial overdrives me to not believe the reality in front of me and only believe the perception I choose. So when I was told I was sick, I don't think I registered I was actually sick with cancer till I was 25 years old, already in remission. Um, I had to protect myself to get through it. So um, I went immediately. Um, I remember uh, I was it was my first year of college. Um, I, was, I was 17 years old. I graduated early. early from high school, um, because of where my birthday was, I won't put myself over that I'm a genius, <laughs> but, uh, um, we were, we were, it was basketball trials and I was going for a layup. And for some reason I could not lift my right arm for nothing. And if you touch your knuckle, right, touch your knuckle on your hand, that's how hard it felt under my armpit. And it was rough. It was like a ball, but a rough ball. And I was like, what the heck is this? And um, it took a while. My story of how I got diagnosed was just so much. Oh, my gosh. I went through so many different um, wrong diagnoses before they finally found um, that I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I was young, so I, I have barely caught up with the amount of different cancers that are out there. And I remember being in the room with my mother, and he said, the great news is it's not breast cancer, but it is lymphoma. And I remember looking at my mom and I said, mom, I don't have cancer. This is awesome. And there's a tear coming down her eye. And right after that tear is another one and another one and another one, and another one. And the doctor says, I'll leave, I'll give you guys a minute. And I look at her and she's crying and she goes, Tiffany, lymphoma is cancer. Yeah. And I'll never forget that moment because it was just like, oh, crap. Okay. Okay. And I said, well, what do we got to do? Let's get rid of it. Whatever we got to do, let's just do it. Whatever it is, let's just do it. And um, that was my attitude. Right? I remember sitting there and I just thought, wow, well, this is really inconvenient. Like, how dare you, cancer? Don't you know I got things to do? Like, why? This is just inconvenience, what I thought. And never did it, was I scared. A part of me was like an instant bulb went in my head. This is your purpose. Tiffany, this is it, finally. Because I really felt before... You know, I was diagnosed with cancer. I was just going through life. I had no idea what my purpose was, what I was going to do. I felt this artist in me. And finally, when I got sick, it was almost like there a light in me. I mattered to the world. And my survival mattered. And my if I was to go and maybe die, it would mean a lot more than if I wasn't sick. And the only way it could matter is if I go out strong. And that's when I told myself, Whatever you do, you're going to, one, do it your way, and that's it. You're going to do it your way. You're going to do it your way, and you're going to do it the best way. And that's exactly how I went about my cancer treatment. I 100% did it my way, and I had the best attitude during it, and I was able to overcome it. Um, and I'll, I'll give you some time to catch up so you can ask another question because there's so much to the story of um, how I recovered and what I went through at that time. Yeah, because again, I mean, it, speaking from someone who, I, you know, everybody talks about cancer, and they always say mm -hmm. that you know everybody knows somebody 
right. who, who's had cancer, you know, and if it's something you stop and you think about it, it may not be a family member, but it's somebody, it could be a coworker, it could be somebody you went to school with, you know, so everybody knows somebody that has cancer, but it definitely, it, it hits a lot differently when it's a lot closer home or it's yourself. Of course. So, I mean, you have these dreams of, you know, wanting to do, you know, theater, wrestling, you know, all these different things. And then you, obviously you're going through the cancer treatment and you mentioned about how afterwards you had a second opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. so touch on that of how that drove you to go out and pursue these things. Because again, it seems like you've had a history of, you know, life of growing up where it's like, all right, didn't have the opportunities in the Bronx, mm-hmm. went, to, went to Connecticut made good of a situation because it was a, it was something that was presented to you mm-hmm. that you're like, Hey, this is here in front of me. I'm going to seize it. Having cancer and survived, you mm-hmm. know, and it mm-hmm. made like, I I'm looking at it as if it were me, I'm thinking to myself, man, I wonder like if I was living in the Bronx and I never had the opportunity to go to Connecticut and play mm-hmm. sports or mm-hmm. if I never was diagnosed mm-hmm. with cancer, you know, would, what do you think the outlook would have been differently? Ooh. Had you not gone through all of this, yeah, I want to, I, I want, I want to believe and say that it's probably going to be, we may be not even having this conversation. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is making me emotional, honestly. And that's what we just got to hold on to is that like everything happens for a reason, and that's why, like, you're going in the right direction of really how my life is. Honest to goodness, is that it, I felt like cancer was almost the best thing that happened to me. You understand, and and um. Uh, everything that's happened in my life has brought me to here right now and it's phenomenal and if I didn't push through and believe that the other side had something greater for me then I don't know where I'd be and I think a lot of people need to remember that that you get through a hundred percent of your bad days we always do we just have to have faith that something better is there and how silly sometimes is is it to have such blind faith and hope right but it's like what do you have to lose when you're against all the odds You've got no choice. I, you know, I could say, crap, you know what? I got cancer and I'm definitely going to die. Or I can start using my imagination. This creative artist in me can come alive and create eight different scenarios why this is the best scenario. And that's what I did. And and it pushed me and it made me this person I am today. And I don't, I don't think I would be this person today because I'll tell you, I was very angry growing up because I did feel like. I would look at the other side and I thought the grass was greener, you know. Yeah, I, I said I had three sisters and two brothers, but, um, you know, my two sisters had a different life than me and my brother. Um, you know, so I would compare myself constantly and I felt like getting sick allowed me to review the last 17 years I lived and forgive myself, forgive my parents, stop judging, stop being so angry. And um, I'll tell you, that is what that's when my wrestling journey started. You know, it wasn't when I walked through those doors at, in South Florida. It, it definitely wasn't. It was when, you know, I looked in the mirror and I didn't see Tiffany, right? It was when I didn't see a single hair in my body and I couldn't recognize who it was. It was when my mom lost her job because she had to take care of me full time. It was when I had to take 16 pills for breakfast and eight for dinner, spent countless days alone in the hospital, scared. That was when I said, you know... It's very possible. I, I, I told myself that I can't be going through any of this for any other reason besides the fact that it's in my cards to achieve greatness. That's that's all I had to think, you know, and that got me through it 100 percent. You know, there was never a backup plan. I, all I saw was that me, me, myself and I am the plan. 
So we just got to get through this however we can. And I hope that resonates with people that are listening because it's easy to tell yourself that, you know, it's going to be better and I'm going to get better. And this is what's meant to be. But it's not always easily done. Mm-hmm. There are setbacks, and I'm sure you've had your own setbacks where at one point you're thinking, like, I'm going to take on the world, I'm going to kick ass. But truth be told, there's days where you're going to wake up and you're going to feel defeated. So what advice would you give the people who may be dealing with cancer, maybe dealing with other situations at home, people that are not able to achieve uh, sports abilities and, and, you know, opportunities that you had what advice would you give people to keep staying on course because i feel like that you know i it's remarkable he talked about john cena and he's always you know preaching never give up never give up and you're like how does someone stay positive all the time there you know like what is the other like what support system do you have that keeps you the way you are so that you're able to you know spend that energy into someone else yeah oh gosh and that's a great question. I'm really loving this. Um, pray. And if you are not spiritual, this, this message is not for you. But my answer is pray. If you are going through anything, whether it be cancer, um, you know someone with cancer or anything, you know, maybe you're dealing with poverty. Maybe you're dealing with a loss of someone. Whatever it is, you need to pray. I, that was my support system. Beyond my family, my friends that were given to me through prayer. I don't think I could be where I am today if I didn't get right with my spirit. And um, prayer has led me through this whole journey because in order to get through this, it requires you to believe in you 100%. Not 10%, not 99%, a full 100%. And to do so, that requires you to love yourself, bet on yourself. That requires you to trust yourself. And a lot of us haven't worked hard to feel that way about ourselves. And when I didn't, I relied on God. Because in my mind, God loves me the most. In my mind, God believes in me the most. So when I couldn't be there for myself 100%, the Lord was for me. The Spirit was for me. And it made up for what I didn't have. And it got me here that's the advice I can give is definitely pray, you know, not knocking anyone who doesn't have that in their life. But if you're going through something, maybe consider adding that to your life and tell me where that gets you. I, feel I like, would highly recommend it. <laughs> I feel like you're going to freestyle the next verse on a Khaled record for God did or something, <laughs> you know, like, that's, like that's I feel like you should be doing the intro for his song, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, no! Seriously, I, I would go hard for him because he's gone hard for me, and he's picked me up when I couldn't stand. So, I definitely have to say, you know, and if you know, a lot of people don't have family, they don't have friends, they don't have finances, but you know, you always have God. He's always listening, and you know, I don't want to make this about religion because I recommend for anyone that is really going hard, dig within yourself, and whatever's in the way of you not believing yourself 100%, get rid of it. Get rid of it. If it's your environment, whatever, get rid of it. You know, it's funny you say that because I always used to think people always say like we see people online who they idolize celebrities and they worship, for lack of better words, different celebrities. They're giving them shouts and everything. But very rarely do you see people shout out people that they know, you know, mm-hmm. friends and everything. And I always would tell people that, you know, sometimes your biggest 
again, for lack of better wording here, enemies or your distractors are those that are closest to you. A hundred percent. Like I get so much love from people that I don't even know. People, wow. will, people will see me somewhere at a wrestling show and they know me from online and they're like, they're like bowing down to me like as if I'm somebody special. I'm like, oh. who the frig am I? I'm nobody. Yeah. Like, but it's such a cool feeling. But it, it mm-hmm. makes you really think about like how I think as a society we've become so driven but driven in in greed, you know, in different mm-hmm. ways that not in positive ways. So I always tell people we're, you know, a selfish world, you know, where people will go ahead and they will do what they got to do for themselves, but they never give the support to other people. And then it's the rarity of people like you and I who decide that, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to put my love and my support into somebody else to doing well and doing mm. good and then hope that it just snowballs into something where somebody else grabs a hold of that and then they want to do the, they want to do good they want to share that love they want to share that positive energy because mm-hmm. um, again we're a self-centering society i feel like so for anybody my advice and i know it's not about mates you know this interview is about you and this podcast no, is about you but any advice i give to people i tell them all the time i was like you know, like there's going to be people that in your, your family, people you've grown up with, close, you know, people to you that are going to challenge you in ways that, you know, they, they, it's not that I, I think that they don't love you or they don't want to support you. It's just hard for someone else to see someone else do well when they have not found peace with themselves to do well. So it's hard for them to say, hey, you know, I wish you well. You know, I could sit here and I go, you know, ah, Tiff, I don't know if you want to do wrestling. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's tough. It's a lot of physical work. You know, like not everybody makes it. You know, I'm going to tell you all the things because somewhere deep rooted inside of myself, I haven't accepted my own shortcomings or my own defeats. And the funny thing is those shortcomings and those defeats, they're not really shortcomings and defeats. They're only little setbacks. 100%. They're not there to stop you or say you can't do something because you're living proof right now that Mm -hmm. you were able to do something. So I guess the next question I have for you is because you've only been in this business for such a short while Mm -hmm. and you've seen success, like you've been on AEW, you've Mm -hmm. been on Impact, you've done Mm -hmm. television, and then Mm -hmm. there are other people out there who may be listening to this who may have been – on the grind, doing the wrestling thing for 10, 15 years doing this and have not even sniffed a television studio. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes like people mis- misunderstand that. So when they see that, like that could be motivation to keep trying or mm-hmm. the jealousy and the anger part comes out. Oh, yeah. I've so experienced- yeah. What, how have you dealt with anybody, if you've dealt with anybody who has looked at you a little sideways because you have you know achieved success in such a short relative time yeah you know i've had people not even people you know for the amount of you get these stereotypical people like you said who haven't worked on themselves so they want to target you and when you're carrying you know such light you're going to attract dark so i and that's what i said like kind of in the beginning of the podcast is that during my wrestling career, I have been challenged. And rather than seeing them as haters, I see them as motivators, you know, <laughs> really. Because haters I'm, are motivators. Yeah, you know, because that's why I, I look at it. Because they 
don't know me or my life. So what they feel for me can't be anything that I've done because I know that I go way beyond my way to make sure everyone's happy and comfortable. Now, you don't have to like me, um, but I, I do know someone tends to be more aggressive or jealous. It has to do with an insecurity of themselves. And rather than flaunting my success in their face, I kind of just get down to their level and not down on their level where I, I get disrespectful and angry first. I I sometimes do a little too much and I don't need to. And this is me being nice is that I look at it like, man, you need love and no one's ever been nice to you. You're mean to someone, but no one's ever talked to you. Let's, you know, so I make it an effort to kind of, um, talk to people like talk like legit have conversations with them and if I feel any discomfort or energy I talk through it people want to argue and I'll still talk through it and I'll, I'll reinforce them with affirmation or love because then they they'll then realize like my problem isn't with this girl it's with myself you know mm -hmm. um, but I've had people tell me you know I don't deserve it you know I'm just a model you know she's weak uh she's only got an opportunity because she's pretty screw all of that you know because even if being pretty that costs a lot of money to maintain you know every time <laughs> god knows know. i spend a lot of money trying to look pretty and it hasn't worked out for me yeah you know i've had someone tell me in the locker room once you know uh it's not that i don't like you i just don't respect you because you know and i said you know i'm not look i'm not here for your respect as long as my coach as long as al snow is happy with me doug basham's happy with me my agent's happy with me i don't care about this locker room i'm not if i keep you safe that's all that matters you know and she further explained well the reason is because back in the day you know you back in the day people um, would get crap for it like you know when the rock left to go make movies john cena you know everyone ribbed them and gave him such an issue and i looked at her this this person was telling me this. she's dating a wrestler who's trying to be, pursue being a rapper and i i laughed at myself and I, I look at her and i think to myself like how 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 does that make sense she's upset with me because i want to maybe later on go into the acting world but she's dating someone who wants to um be a rapper and also wrestling so just rap I laugh at those kind of things. And that's like clear to me, clear as day. Like, okay. Um, she wants me to be able to, when people can't relate to you, it intimidates them. So I walk in a room and I'm only happy. I refuse. If you look at my Twitter, if you look at my Facebook, if you look at my Instagram, you won't know that I'm going through anything or what, what triumphs I've had, because that's, that's personal to me, you know? And if you have the chance to sit with me, you may learn some of my problems. When I go into the locker room, I'm Tiffany Nieves, La Princesa. I'm here to perform. And I think that energy allows people to assume everything's been handed to me. Things are easy and I have a good life. And that's, that's all like far from reality besides the fact that I have a good life. Cause I do, I have one of the best lives I could ever have. You know, I was thinking the other day, I mean, I went to Puerto Rico for the first time to wrestle Chicago for the first time. Um, all these places, you know, Texas, all these places that I've gone to for the first time was because of wrestling. But um, people don't know that for the last eight months, I have slept on a mattress or a freaking futon to make this career happen. I um, gave up everything so I can go to flatbacks. You know, I, I gave up my, my job, my apartment. Um, I drive a car that, that, that has no AC in it, you know, that has over 200,000 miles. And it's not to put me down, but it's just I may have made it faster than those people who have been working years because I gave up everything right away. I said, I'm going to give this my all. And I'm not saying they haven't. Some people unfortunately have children, not unfortunately, some people have families, some people have pets, they have commitments and it's very hard for them. So they can only wrestle on the weekends. I hate to say it, but I told myself, I'm not going to be a weekend wrestler. If I do this, I'm going to be a full-time wrestler. I have to give this my all. So, you know, 
believe it or not, my whole car is stacked with everything. Um, I've had my heart broken so many times in this business. I was just, you know, I remember I gave up my apartment, which I was living in, you know, South Florida, Hollywood, making really good money for myself, paying incredibly high rent. And I, I remember um, breaking the lease just so I could move in to my friend's living room so that I could save money to go to flatbacks. So all I was paying was my necessities. And, you know, being the age I'm at, a, a little more mature, it sucks having to live in someone else's house and be a mooch, right? And sleep on a couch when you used to have, you know, I lived in South Florida where I lived had an infinity pool. You can take the elevator to Publix where I live. Now I'm living in someone else's house under their rules, under their circumstances, on a couch. And I felt less than, you know, but the story doesn't stop there. It continued, you know, um, when I got just enough money to go to Flatbacks, I go to Flatbacks and I didn't have anywhere to live. I had no idea where I was going to live. And I actually, you know, um, one of one of the boys let me stay in their living room for three weeks until I was able to save money. And I stayed in student housing and student housing isn't any more comfortable. You know, you're in there with a bunch of students that are trying to make it as a wrestler and you're living bare minimum, very bare minimum. And right from student housing, you know, I remember Spears, I had nowhere to sleep every day after practice. I was going somewhere new, somewhere different. And you think I'd call my mom and dad to tell them these things? No, I don't want to tell them that what I'm doing, they, they would, you know, how do you tell your parents, hey, it's just hard to explain to people. So I had to go through that alone. You know, I didn't call my sisters. They don't get it. They don't understand why, you know. So I had to go through all that alone. And then, you know, during all this, you know, I was in a relationship. And, you know, you, you don't realize the people you want to take there with you sometimes are the people that don't go with you. And mm -hmm. this requires so much. So I was away from my partner for four months when I went to training for flatbacks and then right from flatbacks, I had nowhere to go because student housing was up and my coach, you know, Spears was trying to help me find a living situation. But unfortunately, um, as the semester goes on, they already have the student housing pre-listed to people. If that makes sense. So, um, I had to leave the last day of class again, nowhere to live once again. And I remember, um, getting a phone call from Ms. Layla Gray, that changed my life. And that's the thing people need to understand is you have to be able to give it all and not be so consumed with the outcome and obsessed with how it's going to happen. You have to be open to what the universe offers you. So did I have any idea that um, I was going to be able to go to flatbacks? No, I had no idea if it was going to happen, but I knew in order to do so, I had to give up my apartment to have any idea what was going to happen with me after flatbacks. No idea. I just need to get through flatbacks. Um, and then it's funny because the first week of my practice, I broke my finger. Well, the first week at flatbacks, I broke another finger. And then my wisdom tooth came out and I had to have surgery while I was going through wrestling school. And that's terrible. You ever try bumping while you have a whole, like you just got your wisdom teeth removed? It's awful. But uh, we fast forward. I get a call from Layla Gray and she's like, hey, um, Doug Basham, we showed him your stuff and he wants you here for the summer tour. When can you come to Kentucky? I said, I can be there now. And I drove, I packed up my car the last day of, of class for flatbacks and I drove 14 hours to Kentucky and I had to call my partner and say, Hey, I know I told you after four months, you know, maybe we can move in together and start our life, but I actually have to go away for the summer, you know, and that that's hard. So I went to Kentucky. I spent four months, um, with Miss Layla Gray and Luke Curtis. They let me live with them. But that's really hard. That's really tough. You know, I was living out of my car and I had to get a job at Marriott making $14 an hour when I was making minimum 200 an hour doing a massage in South Florida. You know, my life completely changed. And and um, when the summer tour ended, you know, 
I was so eager to finally have a place to, you know, live and go home and maybe sleep in a regular bed because at this point I've, I've been sleeping on the, either, you know, a couch or a blow up bed for seven months to come home to my relationship no longer being there because sometimes people move on or, you know, it's hard. It's very hard. So, you know, I've lost relationships. I've lost, you know, my apartment. I've lost my bed. I've lost my belongings. I only have what I need. If Like literally, I only have what I need. It's in my car and I have my gear. I have a couple of outfits and that's it. And I have like me. That's it. So when people, you know, not everyone knows that about me and I don't have the time to, to try to look for people's, um, acceptance of me all I can do is maybe get on a podcast today and be the most authentic self and if someone has a chance to listen to it they keep pushing you know and I'll tell my story and I'll tell my truth so when people get upset I'm like that's fine but I know I've given everything to be in this position right now and I'm going to do that until I make it and that's so awesome to sit there and listen to I mean to be able to sacrifice it's a very humbling experience it's able to be able to humble yourself to the point where you give up so much of who you are Mm-hmm. And you mentioned about you look through your socials and you know, you're happy and you know, you're never sad. And I always tell people it's like the internet is not real. You know, mm-hmm. there are like think about it. You look through anybody's social media and everything. If you judge yourself or you compare yourself because of what someone else is posting on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and you go, Oh, well, you know, Tiff's got it easy, she's got it made, look how successful she is. Nobody posts the the negative stuff, you know, everybody's flexing on Instagram, you know, like that's just part of the grift to keep, you know, this upbeat mentality because at the end of the day, like you're going to look at your own stuff. Like who wants to follow somebody if they're posting all the depressing stuff? Absolutely. Although it's part of the growth, it's part of the process. You know what I mean? Like people don't know what the real story is behind the scenes. So it's cool that you were able to share that with us because it's 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 a lot of us go through it. I go through it. Everybody goes through it. We all have you know times where we have to sacrifice or give up things that we may not want to give up, but we have to for the end game, the the end goal. Yeah, don't know? get me wrong. I think I was a lot in my way for the first uh, eight months of my wrestling career because I was ashamed with how much I I've changed and given up just to get you know through wrestling, you know, like, I'm like, wow, am I, you know, there'd be times where I had negative in my account, maybe just $14 in my account. And I thought that reflected me, the $14 in my account reflected me. And I realized the more I embraced it and realized I'm not, I don't have $14 in my account because I'm a bum with no work ethic or drive. I have $14 to my name because I believe in myself and I'm backing up myself, my own dream. I have no one sponsoring me. I am it. I am the backup plan. So every dollar I have, I put towards me and I'm glad that I can, you know, so I realized the less ashamed I was about my journey, the more I'm open about it. Um, the further I got in wrestling, like right now, I'm okay to tell you I'm part-time in Florida and part-time in Louisville. And that's only because, um, my friends are letting me stay with them and I have to be part-time in Louisville so I can fulfill my obligations to Ohio Valley, I mean, OVW. And, um, I also really much enjoy coming here for the training. I have flatbacks here in Florida. I have Matt Seidel that I train with here in Florida. I have Jay Lethal that I train here with Florida, but I also have Doug Basham that I train with back at home. So the thing is I need all of them. I need all of them. And sometimes people choose one or the other. I refuse. I need them all. I need them all. So I'm going to make a way for my life where, like I just did this month, I spent 12 days in Louisville. 
and I flew out to Florida. I'm going to spend a week here and then I'm going back to Louisville. And I'm, I'm going to do that until I become the best out there, the best that there is. And if that's what I have to do, then that's so be it. You know, it is what it is. And I, and I totally commend you for all the hustle. I said the grift that you're on because we were originally supposed to do this when the hurricane was coming through Florida mm-hmm. and you were so like determined that you wanted to do this podcast. And I'm like, no, it's cool. Like, like my concerns at the time were, I just want to make sure you're okay. And like, yeah. I'm blowing you up going like, are you okay? Like, are you okay? Cause you're like, I'm driving West. I'm driving West. And I'm like, okay, we can talk another time. Like, I'm like, how can like, I couldn't pack my mind around again talking about something like that while a hurricane you know with floodwaters that are 16 feet you know and 90 yeah. percent of the state has no power and electricity but not only that but you made it up to new jersey for legends of the ring that did, weekend yeah. so that and- showed me the dedication right there i was like wow she going like like you were literally like running from a hurricane as it was I going really up was. the east coast you were just like leading it up this way Mm-hmm. And it's funny you say that because that hurricane was a lot because um, yeah. I had to pack up my car. Remember, I'm telling you, I'm half time in Florida, half time in Kentucky. So what does that mean? That means I'm living out of my car. So that meant when the storm happened, I had to run away from this storm or the only place that I have to live and has all my gear and everything. Like literally, I, I would hate for someone to find my car because I'm, I'm giving all the juice of what's in my car. But I've got everything <laughs> in my car that could ever mean anything to me is in my car. I don't have, I don't have a, uh, apartment or a house that I have, you know? So it's in my car. So I thought, Holy crap, this storm is, I got an alert cause I was in St. Pete that, um, that where I was, was going to flood and it was going to be bad. So I drove to West Palm just to find out it's heading there. Then I drove to Orlando just to find out it was heading there. So it was, it, the whole time it was just me trying to evade wherever the hurricane was coming. Cause I still needed my car. And a lot of people, unfortunately, you know, weren't as lucky as me a lot of people lost their homes lost their cars even lost their lives and they're still mm-hmm. without power right now so which again yeah. was wild because you were messaging me and you're like hey they're evacuating but um so what time tomorrow you know would be good to talk and i'm like no time is good tomorrow get the frig out of there you know like just worry about you you know like i mean i was flattered that you still wanted to talk to me that that badly i'm like who the fr- again who the frig am i you know what i mean like don't need to like don't put yourself in danger your livelihood to talk to me um, but let me ask too like what do you what do you enjoy the most about being a pro wrestler you know because again there's a lot of grind there is a lot of uh struggles with it there's a lot of sacrificing as you've been well documented telling us what do you enjoy about it the most um, I gotta be honest, there's multiple answers, but I gotta be honest, I enjoy the transformation. Like, I see transformation happening for myself. And, um, it sounds selfish, but I'm transforming in, in ways that, and at a rate, I guess I'm, it's, and nothing has ever challenged me to my full potential. So I never knew I could be this superstar, this amazing, strong person. And wrestling keeps revealing through the challenges how much of a freaking superstar or, or um, you know. So I guess like seeing the transformation happen and, and um, because some people go their whole life not pursuing their gift, their talent. So they have no idea the monster within them, the beast within them um, that really lives. And I feel sad for those people. And wrestling allows me to acknowledge the beast within me. And that's really cool to me. So um, 
I would say that for sure. Now, what goals do you still have? Because oh. obviously you want to make it to WWE, you said. Absolutely. And you've already, I'm assuming, checked off a lot of the, the stopping points getting there, AEW, Impact. Mm-hmm. What is something, you know, besides just getting to WWE, what do you envision, say you make it there, what do you want to leave your lasting mark in the business doing? Okay, are we talking about WWE? Is WWE I, or just life in general? Because like I'm interested in like what your your goals are going forward. Because you seem so driven. There's nothing mm-hmm. that's stopping or holding you back. Mm-hmm. What's what's next for Tiffany? Um, so I would like small goals right now. If I was to think, um, being at OVW, I would definitely like to see the women's division um continue to elevate, and I would love an opportunity to um lead the way and have the title. That's one goal of mine. Um, I have a really awesome match coming up November 5th against Chelsea Green. Um, and I'm really excited about that because I'm hoping that that can open the door to more opportunities. Um, I am definitely looking to travel uh, abroad. Um, and most importantly, though, like, I love WWE, but when I went to Impact, I really, really enjoyed my time with Gail Kim. And um, I really feel like if I just had some time with her because she's one of those people, man. She do- she doesn't know wrestling anything. She's doing this out of the kindness of her heart right now. She's someone who really cares about making wrestling less bad. She wants to make wrestling great. And um, I would love um, – I got a little bit of a project, you know, but I'm working on getting a little better because I would love an opportunity um, to, to make a stop at Impact um, to kind of work with Gail Kim. I would like that. That's a goal of mine. But if we take it further and I do get a chance to be um, a part of WWE, I would love to be the face of WWE. I would love to be the connection to brands and fans. So um, I would love to be a part of a lot of charity work that WWE does in the face of it. I would love to be a part of Make-A-Wish. I would love to hold the title. I would love uh, to make history. I want to make history in any way I can possible, incorporating um being an underdog. I want to keep that. I want, you know, I mean, I, I, I want to be bigger and better than John Cena was. That's a goal for me. Now for people who want to know what a daily grind is doing this (laughs) and like, what other opportunities do you have to do stuff outside of pro wrestling? Obviously you said you'd like to do the acting you've done theater, but not just that, but just having like a, a normal social, lifestyle if there's any kind it of doesn't normalcy. exist i was gonna it say doesn't. is there any kind of normal lifestyle i for have you? headaches right now because i'm a bridesmaid to a wedding and i feel so bad i broke down telling her like i don't feel worthy because i have been so absent and all she cares about is that i'll be there i've had to miss my cousin's weddings i've had to miss so much you know i can't even hold a conversation with anyone if it's not about wrestling or business wrestling business because i'm so consumed with it so, you know, sometimes I don't even my parents have no idea that I'm in Mexico or Puerto Rico till like three weeks later. I'm like, hey, yeah, I was in Puerto Rico. They're like, what? You didn't even tell us. I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry. Just, you know, sorry. Here, here's the video, you know. Um, so it's hard. It's really hard to stay on track because at the end of the day, right now, until I get a contract, um, I am the talent. I am the booker. I am the designer. I am the, the creator. I'm all these different things. And the goal I have, I have very little time to compromise giving up the time I have towards myself. You think I'm going to give, listen, I'd love to go out to coffee with you. I think it'd be great. But if it's not about 
how to reinvent Tiffany, I got to spend time on Tiffany until I get there. So and the people in my life understand that. So I'm very thankful. And they are very persistent. They will text me like 10 times until they get a response. So that helps. <laughs> now, you mentioned about being a creator, being the person that is in charge of everything. So describe your on-screen character. Mm-hmm. They always say that the best characters are people that are themselves, but, you know, multiplied by a thousand. <laughs> so when people see you wrestle and they see Tiffany Nevis wrestling, who are they seeing? How oh, would yeah. you describe your character, your personality? So Tiffany Nieves, um, I decided to keep my the name that I was actually given at birth because um, I couldn't see anyone being better than Tiffany Nieves. So when people see Tiffany Nieves in the ring, they're seeing the monster, the beast, the person that says, are you kidding me? You think that I'd be scared of you? I'd be death mother freaking trucker. You think I'm really scared <laughs> of you? You think I won't go to the next level? You think I won't make it look good? And um, and people think you have to be like, I love surprising people. So Tiffany's that element of freaking surprise because um, looks can be deceiving. And that's what Tiffany thrives in is just showing people like, do not freaking count me out. Um, and that's the side of Tiffany like, to be honest, that's the side of Tiffany when I'm not in the ring. So I'm just happy that I have the opportunity to show it to people in the ring. Because um, I can't say that there's much of a distinct difference besides the fact that, um, you know, from time to time, maybe a little bit of the darkness does come out <laughs> only in the ring, though. <laughs> that- now- and, and like I fielded some questions from fans because there are you have a following on social medias and people mm-hmm. are very aware of who you are and your work in OVW and obviously following you around to AEW and a couple of these fan questions and someone wanted to know so having put all the effort into being a pro wrestler when do you ever feel like you'll walk away from this now it's like it's hard to imagine that, you've only been doing it. that question <laughs> but it's hard to imagine that because you haven't been in the business very long and you have so many goals and stuff that you want to accomplish but realistically like we all don't get any younger you know like Amen. it's a physical toll on the body um so when do you see you know, like an, an an end game to this, and where what what do you want to do after that? I'll just add to that question. Like, what do you want to do after your days in the wrestling business are over? Do you want to pursue training, do, or do you are you content with just walking away? From oh the my business? gosh, I would love to be in the production uh, aspect okay. of it. I would want to stay in wrestling kind of forever. And I told myself I had no idea I would be one of those people, but I don't see life is. There's no life better than the wrestling life. I'm, I just literally spent the weekend. We packed a car with the boys, and we went to Chicago. We went to Wisconsin. went to Kentucky. And we, I'll tell you, man, you would think my life is made up, the amount of journeys and connections I get to have. I'm sitting in the car with my best pals making memories. And, you know, one of them's 38. The other one's 20 years old. The other one's 25 years old. And I'm no need to know years old, you know? And, <laughs> and and these, these are memories we would have never crossed each other's paths, but now we're family. We're family yeah. now. It's a rock star lifestyle. It's a real it's a real life rock star lifestyle, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, it totally is. And it's just like, wow, man, we have a really cool life. This is the freaking coolest it gets. <laughs> and I just can't imagine it being, I don't know, I, I wouldn't want to leave it. I, 
I'm addicted to it. It's an addiction now. So I feel like we'll have to see because my life has allowed me to, um, to, to manifest what I imagine. So I have to sit on that right now. But I would say I, it wouldn't come to a surprise to me if I find myself on the creative end of production because I freaking love anything that has to do with cutting promos, creating promos. Um, and I still think that if I'm in production side, I can help younger talent inspire them and um, put fire up their ass because I think anyone can always use fire up their ass. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I see myself in this business a long time. Um, my father has been asking me because I told him, you know, when I first started, Dad, you know, I'm going to do it to this age. And if I don't see monetary money, then I'm going to stop. And um, my dad goes, well, it's getting close. Uh, and I'm like, sir, yeah, I'm not stopping. I Because I'm this, like, if I can accomplish this much within a year, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, I can't imagine five more years. So, I'm not going anywhere. I, mm-hmm. I'm not going until, and I don't even want to say what it is because I can't even think of a thing that would stop me. Uh, I think the only thing that would stop me is that if I find fall in love with something else and then want to do that, you know? Well, That's I was going to only- say that. You, you said about how rela- you've lost relationships. Mm-hmm. And uh, doing this, it's not easy to yeah. have a relationship, let alone have a family. And... Most people, they think about that. They think about, like, I'd like to have a family. Is that something that you've ever thought about and how you would have to incorporate that into the wrestling business? So um, for WWE, if I get if I can become a part of the WWE, I think that's worth holding out. Um, but there are times where I think if I never make it to WWE and I waited so long and never had a family, where will I be mentally? You know, and that's a dark mm-hmm. place to go. A very dark place to go, but um, I want a freaking family. I want a family so bad. I want to. I want to have a long time, long term partner. That is definitely something that I would love to have. Um, especially with you know me having cancer, I think um I'm very cautious with my health, and I have been because that's something I know that I want. I want to be. I want to be a mother for sure. Um, but that's like down the road, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got it. Well, I gotta, the reason I asked that is because it's so much tough tougher it for is. women in the business because because of that and, and i feel like women in the business and if i'm wrong send all the tweets at mixmaster b <laughs> at mmb radio for saying this because yes. i'm not saying this in a way to be sexist or judgmental of anybody but i feel women have it a lot harder than the men do in the business because they have a shorter like a shelf life well and guess what and they fail to realize that and they'll say um you'll hear very often that women have it easier and get um, opportunities a lot faster sorry a lot faster in the business for the simple fact that um they're females and they're hot and it's like no the reason why i feel women get opportunities possibly faster is because there is a shorter time for them a hundred percent and um it impresses me when you have people that are having kids you know um and returning back to wwe and i'm looking at them like wow that's someone's mom they're wrestling kicking ass doing it hardcore and i i get really inspired with uh becky lynch and seth rollins because she's a little bit more on the mature side and she was able to have a very long lasting career and kids and still return Mm -hmm. so when you see something like that um and it's a little bit easier too i think with her because seth being in the business with her yeah but it can take a toll on people who have partners that are outside of the business so not every female wrestler who has a child is has a child with somebody who's in the business. A hundred percent. And it always makes me think about like how you have 
the sports athletes or football players, baseball players, basketball, whatever. And they always say later on, it's like, you know, I wish I was there more for my child. You know, I wish I was there more. And even guys could say it in wrestling, Uh you know, that I wish I was there. I missed this opportunity. I missed that opportunity. And I think it just multiplies when you're a female because they also not only they're missing opportunities, but they had to go through the nine months of pregnancy. You know, they had to go through the, the after, you know, giving birth, having to, you know, and then separate yourself from your child to go back to what you're doing and not everybody can, you know? So I think the way my life has gone, um, mark my words, if if this ends up happening since a young age, I was always interested in adopting that. As we're talking, I've come to terms with like, if life decides like, cause life decides, you know, um, if it's in my cards that I, I, I lose the window to have kids. I, I could still adopt. And I've always wanted to seek that. And, um, and, and, and it's a possible, like maybe, maybe I don't birth kids. Maybe I could still have a family and uh, give someone a family the way I, you know, I wish I had. Um, and that, that's an option I definitely, uh, before wrestling wanted to do. So, Hey, maybe I end up doing it. And then another question that I have from somebody here, because I thought this was a really cool one. Okay. How do you decide what you wanted to use as a finisher? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So, um, of course, when you first start wrestling, uh, you got to earn a finisher. No one is, uh, you know, I was very lucky. I, I got to defeat Miss Layla Gray, my debut first match. That's unheard of. But when you're facing an underdog like Tiffany, it's realistic. But um, I chose my finisher. When I first got into the business, I was very eager to, you know, have a very impactful move that maybe... I would say it was a little obnoxious, you know, it looked nice on the eyes, but I, I started to realize maybe not everyone could take a finish like this. Right. So I, I needed something that I can do on anybody, whether you're eight feet tall, you're three feet tall. I needed to be able to get into it and out of it multiple ways so that I can get a quick win against anyone. And as I said, I'm very inspired by Gail Kim. So I chose to go with eat the feet. Because that, to me, is such a classic, simple, but you can make it complex. You can dress it up. You can hit that move to anyone. Um, and it's been very successful. And um, now that Gail kind of, I wouldn't say is retired, but now is more on the production side, um, I'm able to use that finisher because Gail Kim, if you're not familiar, used that finisher for years uh, while she was in um, WWE, um, Impact. So... I'm really excited to have this uh, this match coming up with Chelsea Green in hopes that she sees and is proud with how I hit the eat the feet. <laughs> now, uh, someone else wanted to know because um, it's it's one of those questions you always get is you're going to be facing Chelsea Green, but is there someone that you want to square up in the ring with? Someone that you feel would be like a dream match for you? Um, a dream match for me would be anyone on the WWE roster. That's a fact. That's a for sure. Um, I would love to have a match against Becky Lynch for sure. Um, that's for me. Becky Lynch. I would like to have a match with Becky Lynch. Um, if we were to do on a different level, um, right now I've been paired up with Ivelisse. And Ivelisse was one of the first people that I looked up to when I got into wrestling. And I'm itching to have a match with her. 
And I know you've not only faced just women, but you've done a lot of intergender stuff as well. So if you had to mix it up with a male talent, who's someone that you would... I would love to have a match against Ricochet. Really? Okay. Because I thought right away you were going to go with John Cena. I was like, she's mentioned John Cena a lot, so... Okay, Ricochet, Shawn Michaels, if he wants to do a comeback, uh, Johnny Gargano, I think he's freaking fantastic. They're all a little different styles. Um, yeah. The, Did you have a favorite wrestler as a child? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, it was John Cena, to be honest. But if it's, I got to tell you right now, my background is Shawn Michaels, young Shawn Michaels. I had it for him. That's um, why I like you. <laughs> That's my favorite wrestler of all time. 100%. I was like the heartbreak kid, the original. With, like, when he first, like... Oh, took out Janetti. Like that was when I was like, ah, I just love Shawn Michaels. So it's like, mm-hmm. I became a fan. Then haven't been a fan. You know, everybody asked me like, who's your favorite all time? Like Shawn Michaels. You know, and then, it's you a no brainer. Yeah, there's others that I like, and you know, I'm like, I always revert back to Shawn Michaels. I was just like, the guy could just do anything. You know, and he mm-hmm. just had the. And then to celebrate the 25 years of DX, I was like, I was there for that. And I'm like, yeah. I feel old as shit now because <laughs> mm. I remember all 25 years of it. I'll um, tell you one thing. I've been in uh, intergender matches, and I had the privilege over the weekend to uh, be a tag partner with Scotty Tuhati. And that's freaking cool. Now, being a fan of John Cena and Shawn Michaels, who is someone today that is a current superstar that – Aside from, like, say, you've mentioned Ricochet, but who is, like, someone that is, uh, you keep your eye on and you're like, okay, that person might be coming after me. And I have to, I have to keep my eye out on that person. Like, what feuds do you see brewing for Tiffany? Honestly, none, because I'm not worried about anyone. <laughs> She's like, I ain't worried about anybody. I'm taking no all one. the championships. I'm taking all the gold. None. I don't think anyone, like, there's not one person that comes to my mind when I think that, to be honest. Now, myself, maybe. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At this time, I don't see... I, d- I don't have an answer for that one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, let me see. A couple more of these questions. Cause, and I apologize that people that were sending in questions. I First of all, thank you no, for sending no. in so yeah, many questions. questions. I love like, it. There were so many great questions. And uh, there are so many that I've... You know, I've, I've seen questions before in other podcasts and... So I'm trying to pick out some of the more unique ones. Um, so this one guy tweets in. He wants to know, what is something about Tiffany that most people would be surprised to know? Oh, gosh. I think the whole life story. But let's make it up. Let's make it fun. Um, what would... I learned how to do a cartwheel last year for the first time in my life. And I really? Didn't yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, I grew up very different. <laughs> so, yep. I... Uh, I uh, I learned how to do the, a cartwheel for the first time ever last year. <laughs> hmm, okay. mm-hmm. Any secret talents or anything that uh, people would be surprised to know that you were able to do? I have some funny, funny talents that have popped the girls at sleepovers that I think I should just leave at sleepovers. <laughs> um, so I have to get creative. Got to be this. there to have seen it. Yeah, this kind of sounds kinky, actually. I did not mean it that way. Like, oh, I have, I have some secret <laughs> talent that I only do at girls sleepovers. Wait a second. I I, that to totally went over my head, and I didn't oh even think of that gosh. one. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Great. <laughs> this one um, time at band camp? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so let's think. Um, ooh, I can memorize things very well when it comes to, like, you can – I can learn a script in, in – I can learn a script in, like, seconds – 
Like if you give me a small short film, I'll be able to do it the next day. I'll, I don't know. I just have this skill where I can like, I'm very good at it. I don't know how to explain it. That's one thing that's interesting to me. Like, um, I have very short term memory, but if, um, it comes to like memorying lines, it, that's the, one of the easiest things for me to do. Like if you told me, uh, two minutes before TV that I have to cut a promo, that would be a walk in the park for me immediately. Like I can just go like that. But, um, let's think. What's a fun one? Oh, I'm the best NASCAR driver in the world. Um, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, there's not really any way to disprove any of this, you know. I mean, so. you know, just the fact that I wrestle, I think that's the coolest thing about me, honestly. But we're trying to think outside of wrestling, and that's <laughs> just. <laughs> um, well, I mean, there's like there's p- people that have like uh, hobbies and talents right. and things that they just. I'm amazed when I see people and you're like, I mean, just mentioning off the top of the head, like you just say like a Shawn Michaels, like if you could find out, like having watched Shawn Michaels for 30 some years, watching him being a pro wrestler and then find out like that he was really good at like, you know, cooking or something. You just, okay. So I'm a Reiki master, Reiki master, which is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Reiki. It's energy work. I was going to say, I'm a mix master, so I don't know about the the (laughs) Yeah, so Reiki is where um, you work on your chakras. You have different energy levels that connect to organs in your body. And um, basically what this does, it removes any toxins. And you do that with, Mm. um, it's kind of increased, like, breath. You have to focus on your breathing. Um, And I incorporate it because I am a massage therapist. So that's something that I became licensed in after um, I was in remission for cancer because that was a lot of what I did during my remission. So I'm a Reiki master and I'm sure there'll be some people that know what that is. Like I'm obsessed with collecting crystals and using them to heal or detoxify. And I'm glad you explained all that. Cause when you first <laughs> said that, it sounded like some star Wars shit. Oh, <laughs> you know, like I'm a Reiki master of, and I'm like, a what? <laughs> you know, you're a Trekkie, you're an Ewok, you're a what? <laughs> um, that's cool. That's something that, you know, I yeah, would have never guessed, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for the person that's in the question, you know, thank you. Because thank that's, you. that's something I would have, you would have never just guessed, mm-hmm. you know? And if you were able to guess that, then maybe that person has a secret power. Exactly. You, know, you, you got know? it out of me, though, because I was trying to think. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> now, everybody has a huge social media presence, and it's key to marketing and keeping yourself out there. So where can people follow you along and kind of keep up to date with what you're doing in your travels? Thank you so much. Um, so the best place to catch me would certainly be um, Instagram and Twitter. So that's going to be Tiffany Nieves underscore, and it's the same for both. I try to keep it very simple. Um, and then if you ever want to, you know, s- surprise me or anything at OBW, we do receive fan mail. So you can go ahead and just look up the address for the Davis Arena, and um, you can get to me that way as well. Very awesome. Well, I have to say it was a huge honor and pleasure to talk to you because it's something that I've wanted to do for a while. And, you know, great things come to those who are patient, you know. So yeah. I felt like, you know, this was going to be a good conversation. I just, you know, we just had to wait. You know, yeah. Mother Nature tried to throw, you know, a curve and swerve Curveball. us. Yeah, Always, yeah. yep. So Mother Nature got in the way and there's, you know, other things. But we got it done. And I could not be more happy to say that I, I spoke to you. I am happy of all of your accomplishments. I am thank happy you. to say that I know you and I've got to meet you. Oh, so you can check out you. my Instagram. You can yeah, see my photo. Yeah, we actually got to meet in yeah. person. I've never 
done a podcast besides the gentleman who's from OVW. I've never got to actually meet the person before the interview, so that was super cool. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's just been a true honor, and you're an inspiration for you know just, just not just people that are trying to get into the wrestling business, but just people in general having you know kicked cancer's ass, having pretty much <laughs> kicked everything's ass in the way of getting mm-hmm. to where you want to be in life is just inspiring for myself. And I hopefully other people are listening to this and are taking yeah. the same from it. Uh, well, thank you for the opportunity to allow me to share my story. And if you stay in tune, guys, I will not let you down. There are things that I did not discuss in this podcast that are coming up this year. So keep an eye out. Yes, That's you got to come back on and give us more of the tea. We need deal, to hear more deal, of all the details. Deal, on the, deal. You know. Let's do that in like six months. <laughs> there you go. Well, Tiff, we appreciate you talking to us, and we of can't course. wait to see more things from you coming up in the future. Thank you. Stay beautiful, and I can't wait till this comes out. Hey, guys, everyone tuning in. If you don't know, my name is Tiffany Nieves. I'm an up-and-coming rising star, and I really want to thank um, MMB Radio and Mix Master B for setting this up.